He was from North Carolina. He's now living in Poland. And he was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. they prosecuted him, basically deported him, basically. Well, he, he got away so he could have more freedom of speech. But Does Sidney Powell, uh, this person is calling today, yeah. um, does she know him? I don't know. I'll have We'll have to ask her at the end of the interview because the first... Uh, I mean, we we'll don't... Definitely... We'll, we really well, don't know if his case was a national case. If well, he... I don't know, but he's written a book. He's written several books, but one of them is Justice Denied about his travails. And we also had a caller last year, Jamie Ligator. He is a businessman from a ba- American businessman based in Costa Rica, and he he had the same problem with prosecutorial overreach and abuse. And he wrote a book called Police State USA, which he self-published. So this is a serious. Event and these are you know reputable people. These are uh, businessmen well, for, and for lawyers. Blink, for Blink Radio, for WS ninety four point five WSQF. Right. This is a big moment because who whoever doesn't know Miss Powell is really got their head in between a bunch of rocks mm-hmm. in the sand and is basically chewing gum, yep. bubble gum, and, and she, chewing and swallowing it. And she has a new book uh, which has just come out: prosecutorial abuse, federal prosecutorial abuse. It's called Conviction Machine, Standing Up to Federal Prosecutorial Abuse. She co-authored it with Harvey Silverglate. Harvey has written a book called Three Felonies a Day about how the federal government has so many laws, there's no way you can't uh, violate something. It's like... So it made criminals out of all. Everyone's a criminal. Well, she says that a third of us are criminally convicted of something. Yeah, and they say, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Well, in my case, it's... uh um, uh, lobster poaching. What? I w- I have uh, I had a lobster poached. Lobster poaching. Yeah. In other words, I found a lobster on my uh, very close to my home in the middle of the night, on a flat on Key Biscayne called the Master Flats. But current after I got it, put it mm-hmm. in the cooler. You know, it was dark outside. We're talking among ourselves, and we drifted past a boundary that was now a national park boundary, uh-huh. actually a state park. Poaching in a state park. So they approached us, and we couldn't prove that we caught that lobster uh, maybe 300 yards that way, south of, of where we were. And the, the lobster would not corroborate your story. And, man, they got me. I did uh, 80 hours of community service. So I, too, am a criminal. <laughs> okay. And, of course— Convicted, uh, not for a felony, a small Uh Yeah, small if, I think uh, in those cases, they could be felonies. You'd have to have multiple lobster, but with one, okay, they just gave me community service. This could be the moment we're waiting for for Miss Powell. You're listening to WSQF Blink Radio 94.5. This is yours truly, Mac on the Rock, with Ed Vidal for the Concrete Conservative Show. Who do I have a pleasure to speak with? This is Sydney Powell. Sydney Powell, I, I can't tell you, you've created such a buzz here in Key Biscayne among conservative groups. Everybody's really uh, rooting for our show today because uh, you're definitely the our most uh, prominent guest thus far. So I have Ed Vidal here in the studio. Ed, introduce yourself. Hello, Sydney. I'm a fellow lawyer, although I'm a business corporate lawyer, not a prosecutor. But uh, welcome, and thank you very much for calling in. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, this is a very timely topic, because as we were talking before, last year we had a couple of individuals who were the subject of uh, federal prosecutorial abuse. And uh, they've actually written books about them, and so you, I don't know if you know them, but I think you, you've written on a very timely uh, topic. Well, unfortunately, there's a lot more of it out there than there should be. There should be none, but it seems to be rather uh, almost rampant. So what, what, how, do, how have we gotten to this uh, stage? I mean, we have a constitution, we have checks and balances, uh, separation of powers, we're a freedom-loving, uh, self-reliant people. How did we get to this stage? I don't know the real answer to that. The Department of Justice in particular and the FBI seem to have completely lost their way. I know Bill Barr is working hard to restore the rule of law, but apparently it's an extremely difficult ship to write. It's obviously a huge organization, and you know the Obama administration in particular took political appointees and embedded them deeply in all the federal agencies before he left office in career positions that are subject to civil service regulations, which I have a serious problem with independently and related to that. But 
it seems like prosecutors in particular, federal prosecutors, realized they could punch their tickets to seven-figure salaries in international law firm and the highest halls of political appointments under the more corrupt administrations if they use the law as a weapon to accomplish political and social means instead of as a tool to right wrongs and, and accomplish justice. Now, do you feel that in in your case with uh, representing uh, General uh, Michael Flynn, do you believe that uh, Sally Yates and her position in the Obama administration not really uh, getting orders from Obama to go after Flynn is an issue that end up affecting him later when he served uh, the Donald Trump administration? definitely had uh, a role to play in getting General Flynn out of the Trump administration. I mean, she ran over to the White House to insist that he could be blackmailed by Russia, which was preposterous. Different White House counsel might have known differently how to deal with that. But anyway, uh, as soon as he left, it was like uh, blood in the water. In fact, it was after he left that they finished, the FBI finished revising his 302 until it was approved by McCabe. The report of the FBI interview of the ambush, the ambush interview, as I call it, of him on January 24th. Yeah, where he didn't really know he was being investigated and they kind of lured him into answering questions that he regrets now, I suppose. Well, and, and not really, other than the fact that they did not write down things he did say, and they did uh, put in the 302 things he didn't say that are not in their notes, and they made up false charges against him. And we learned in the from the Inspector General's report in December that this started back in July or August of 2016, at the very latest, because on August 15, Strzok and Page, the FBI illicit lovers who were so biased against Trump, texted each other about the insurance policy they discussed in uh, McCabe's office. The very next day is when they opened the file on General Flynn with no basis whatsoever to do so because he was working with the Defense Intelligence Agency on all his foreign contacts, Turkey and Russia. And then the day after that, they slipped an FBI agent into what was supposed to have been a presidential briefing to spy on General Flynn and President Trump, to collect information on General Flynn, gauge his mannerisms, assess his demeanor, et cetera, et cetera, in the event they needed to interview him later, i.e. if Trump was elected president and Flynn was the national security advisor. So it was all set up that Flynn was essentially the insurance policy that was then carried out and through special counsel. And they had to keep the prosecution going of General Flynn to keep the obstruction hoax going against the president. Remember, they all knew there was no Russia collusion. They, and they knew they were going to get caught on that because too much was coming in to counter their whole Russia collusion narrative. Uh, particularly by January. I mean, the letter from the Brits disavowing Christopher Steele, uh, the woman at the State Department had told the FBI before the, the first FISA even that Steele was full of it. There were enough people out there that knew things were wrong with the Steele dossier. They couldn't continue to hope that their Russia hoax was going to play out. So they came up with the obstruction narrative that was dependent on Flynn being prosecuted. If you'll remember, Comey went to talk to the president on February 14th, the day after Flynn left the White House, and that's when President Trump said some words to the effect of, Flynn's a good guy, I hope you can see to let this go. Well, Comey runs out from that and writes a memo suggesting that the president may have tried to obstruct justice to start the whole obstruction narrative. What they omitted was the fact that the FBI and DOJ had already cleared Flynn of everything Russia-related. We've got the FBI agents having reported back in three different one-hour briefings to high-level groups in the FBI and DOJ on the 24th that Flynn was telling the truth. Also, well, wait, wait, wait. But let me ask you a question, Sydney, because I think you're an excellent lawyer, but I think that uh, Michael Flynn had some very good lawyers working, representing him. I think they were from Covington and Burling. Why did they miss this? Well, for one thing, the government did not tell them everything. They didn't start getting any Brady. They made no demand for Brady material. Right. 
And no. the government didn't tell him everything they should have told him before he entered his plea of guilty. On top of that, they were threatening to indict his son. Right. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but we filed a motion to withdraw General Flynn's guilty plea based on Covington's conflict of interest. Right. It was so egregious, they should have withdrawn from representing him by August of 2017 at the latest. Okay, can you and, tell us what and that... there were rendered ineffective assistance of counsel right. in a number of crucial places in the representation. Now, well, can you tell us about it? what that conflict of interest was? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, the conflict. Covington actually prepared the Foreign Agent Registration Act form that came within the scope of the special counsel's investigation. Oh. So they should have resigned from that if they were on both sides. Exactly. Now, uh. do you think, you think that Trump's comments precipitated Comey to take an about-face and then go after uh, Flynn, or do you think that no, they, they were going after they Flynn were going before. after Flynn no matter what? They had already decided to go after Flynn. And we also found evidence uh, that the government disclosed to Covington after the guilty plea, months after the guilty plea, that there's a DOJ memo that completely exonerates right. Flynn of all things Russia the, that was entered in the file no. by January 30 of 2017 before oh. Flynn left the White House. And oh. nobody in the FBI or DOJ bothered to tell the president about that. So when Comey sat there and created the obstruction narrative, he knew Flynn had already been cleared of everything. Well, doesn't a federal prosecutor have a duty not just to obtain a conviction, but to disclose uh, evidence that will tend to clear the defendant? Uh, absolutely, but the excuse they've made for this is that Brady doesn't apply during plea negotiations. And they put enormous pressure on General Flynn to plead immediately under right. threat of indicting him and his son, who had a four-month-old baby, the very next day if he didn't plead. And they did that because the Strzok Page stuff was about to blow up in the news. They had to have known that. It came out the day after Flynn's guilty plea. Mm -hmm. And they hid all that from the defense. Now, do you think that all these people are going to walk, uh, Page and McCabe and, and all the buddies, because... Um, well, Durham had some... Well, I like, I like Cindy to yeah. uh, Miss Powell yep. to answer that question. Do you think Durham is working hard to find convictions of high ups like those we just mentioned? I think he's working hard to find out exactly what happened and what the evidence of criminal conduct is or, or might be. So I, I would think he can find that because they all knew the entire narrative was a lie because they made it up. Yes, it's uh, it really is a, a giant hoax. All right, so Sydney, let me ask you a, a big question that you may or may not want to answer, which is: this is a really complicated, organized, uh, involving many people, uh, conspiracy scheme. Uh, did President Obama know about this? Oh uh, well, I mean, there are multiple struck page text messages about the White House is running this. Right. So Obama wants to know everything. So I can't imagine that he did not. In fact, he was in the meeting in the White House with Comey and Sally Yates and uh, Biden and Clapper and Brennan on January 5th before, before Comey was dispatched to talk to President, incoming President Trump the next day to tell him only the salacious aspects of the Steele dossier, which was part of the setup. And Comey writes his first memo after that, saying he executed it exactly as it was planned. And yes, he knew it all. So he was really orchestrating this whole thing? Whether he orchestrated it or not, he certainly knew about it. And a lot of these guys don't need to be told exactly what to do. It's like Lois Lerner at the IRS didn't need to be told by Obama to do what, what she did. So it was they all had the, the common mindset. Yes. Well, Obama himself very carefully to accomplish the objective they knew they all wanted to accomplish. Okay, so now why did they pick Flynn? Simply because he didn't like how the 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 president, commander in chief, was well, dealing with well, ISIS. Flynn was one of the few members of the administration, Obama who administration. Did, uh, the Obama administration, who did not fall into the political correctness, especially about Muslims. He called out Islam as being a, a, a dangerous ideology. 
And Obama had a big purge where anybody who, or any any evidence that the Muslims was an ideological threat to America was purged. Especially and, after he invited all the care individuals. Well, that was part of it. So I think, and maybe, Sidney, you can, you can tell me what you think of my theory, but I think that because Flynn was such an outspoken guy, number one, supported Trump in the campaign, and then was very outspoken about the danger from Islam. And I yes, think, there, were, there were a number of things. That was one of them. The other was he was, it was widely known he was going to audit the intel agencies for all the billions that Brennan in particular was running off books. Uh-huh. Uh, he was going to uh, reduce the bloated National Security Council that Obama had created. Right. He was outspoken against the war in Afghanistan. In fact, there's a, a memo written by uh, the person that was doing the review of that that was recently published in the Afghanistan papers on the Washington Post website, where you can see how vehement he was about the uh, all the problems with the participation of the United States in Afghanistan. And, uh, of course, he knew about all the Benghazi screw-ups. He knew where all the bodies were buried because he was Obama's head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, and he's been an outstanding military member of the military intelligence community for 33 years. So yeah, we can't wait note. for him to write his memoirs. No, we, uh, there's no chance of a second term for Trump to re-invite uh, General Flynn into the administration? Well, first we need the guilty plea withdrawn or the case dismissed for egregious government misconduct, which I've also requested for countless reasons, not the least of which are all the exculpatory evidence they've hidden and even what was revealed by the December Inspector General's report about slipping that agent in to the presidential briefing, which has never happened before in the history of the country, and Christopher Ray says it will never happen again. I mean, that was just absolutely an appalling act of breach of trust that's supposed to exist in that relationship. Yeah, it's, it is pretty appalling. So uh, is there, if, if, all, if all things considered, which we find very offensive, do you, uh, you think that Flynn, uh, at the worst, uh, if things go bad for him, that he's definitely a pardoned uh, associate? For Trump, I mean, Trump will pardon him? Well, the president seemed to have indicated he's uh, certainly considering that, and there would be no better candidate for it than General Flynn. My personal preference is that the Department of Justice and the FBI do what's right and admit what happened here, because as a person who seeks justice, I know that the department and the FBI are going to have no credibility whatsoever until they make this right. Yeah, I agree well, with you. Well, let me ask you something. You talk about the Department of Justice, and you said before that there are all these political appointments. Would you agree that we need civil service reform in the sense oh, of— Oh, in a huge way. Yeah. Yes, I don't think anybody should be on the government payroll for more than 15 years total. Okay. Now, these are some—are just where your book's going to go? Um, uh, in, the, in, the, in the conviction machine, you, you, you're suggesting that the Congress should do some fixes? Is that one of them? Uh, yes, I think I put that in the laundry list at the end um, or mentioned it somewhere along the way. But yes, I mean, another thing we need is codification of the rule that requires prosecutors to produce evidence favorable to the defense and attach penalties to it if they don't. And another big one is to mandate that the FBI not be able to bring a false statement prosecution or charge unless they have warned and fully recorded the interview. Yeah, because we're, we're, we are noticing, I mean, the American people do notice that prosecutors aren't convicted of lying to a judge to get conviction. Yeah, what about that? Should prosecutors have personal immunity? No, I don't think they should have absolute immunity. That's another thing we suggest is that they have to work with at least qualified immunity, which is what police officers operate under in the split-second decisions they have to make that are life and death. There's no reason for a prosecutor to enjoy greater immunity than a police officer does. Yeah, right. they should call that the Weissman rule, because Weissman yeah. is he's guilty of a lot of things. Uh, do you believe that Trump uh, wanted Flynn in his administration to, to get to the bottom of Benghazi, to get to the bottom, obviously to crush ISIS, um, maybe expose arms dealing in the Obama administration to, uh, you know, fighters in Libya, Kenya, Yemen, and that's why uh, Obama went after Flynn so aggressively? 
Well, General Flynn is a wealth of knowledge on everything going on in the world, and he would have just been an enormous asset to the administration and all the endeavors it wanted to undertake, some of which are just getting done now because of the ridiculous and false witch hunt been going on for the last two and a half years. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that we're suffering this uh, pandemic crisis because I know the American people really wanted to stay on the ball about this investigation, but at the same time, I would think that Barrett and Durham are benefiting from not being in the news right now so they can do their work. you agree? Yes. Uh, we've just got to get past this and get things done to help the American people and get this country open back up. Would you agree that this is not merely a Democrat or a progressive problem? It's really a bipartisan problem. For example, when I look at uh, Chris Ray, he is, uh, I would say, a swamp rhino. Exactly. Yes, I think he should have been fired two years ago. Actually, I think he should have never been picked. But he was actually Andrew Weissman's supervisor when Weissman was on the Enron task force at the DOJ, running a rough shot over the rights of everybody in Houston. So why would Trump uh, leave him there? I'm sure he didn't know all that then. And, um, you know, the, the whole situation now is such that it would be difficult to get somebody confirmed anytime right. soon. Right. It's yeah, it's really something it's for the second term. That's probably the better yeah. answer, yes. That confirmation is impossible. Look, he, he picked Jeff Sessions as attorney general and Chris Ray as FBI director. Both mistakes. Uh, and both, uh, I think, recommended by Rosenstein and others. Okay, that's trusted a, that, him, yeah. That's a good, that's a good uh, character to bring up. Um, you know, him retiring with, I don't know if he retired with honors, but... Him retiring, does that get him out of the loop, or is he going to be the king rat here, him and Comey ratting out on everyone? I have no idea. That will be very interesting to see. Because he's out of the news now. He always seemed to lie low. You mean the Durham prosecutions, if he's going to be a target? Who knows? I have to assume Durham, but the very fact that Rothstein was at the top of this heap, you had to know everything we've talked about in the last 30 minutes. And therefore, well, it, it, it seems retiring. that Trump made some really bad decisions. On uh, Rosenstein was one, but also you mentioned the White House counsel. Uh, I think these people were too trusting. Yes, they had no idea what they were walking into. They really, they really got walked into. I mean, Trump they, they by not into an ambush by Trump not appointing a lot of people. He left a lot of positions. He left a lot of positions completely open, probably with a desire to save money in the executive branch. But left. I a think bunch he just of those... didn't know who was who. He thought he thought yeah, he was going to he thought he was buying a company. He had a fight to buy it. You know, there was an argument. The board of directors, but he won the fight. He paid more. And when you do that, you you own the company. People uh, pay attention to you. In government, it's not the same thing. Yeah, but you. I mean, he had. He didn't have any any Miss Powell's out there, con, uh, you know, consulting him on what he's going to do with the Department of Justice. I mean, I why know. do you think he was so broadsided by? Uh, you know, by uh, by old folks. I mean, he had to assume that Obama's people were going to come after him once he stepped into the White House. Well, he thought they would follow him as a new commander-in-chief. He didn't realize there was going to be a coup d'etat run against him, organized by the prior president, with all these uh, progressives in, in the government who were going to go after him. He did not realize that. Same thing happened at the State Department. He brought in Rex Tillerson, who was actually it didn't like him, was his opponent. From, and he was recommended by the uh, Bushies, uh, you know, the Robert Gates and Condoleezza Rice and all that. And uh, he just, he didn't know what he was getting into. And I think he, he wasn't sure he was going to win. You, and you, do, you, he, do you agree with Ed, um, uh, Ms. Powell? Uh, I agree that he had no idea of the depth and breadth of the organized effort to destroy him. Right. Yep. And you believe that's, uh, that persists to this very day? Well, I think he's got a pretty good idea of it now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and but, he's I, got some good people there, I think. But he's uh, still got... Barr is good. Yeah, well, he and, brought uh, Barr. How do you Pompeo think that came about, if that was a bush a Bushite as well? No, but he, he woke up. What do you think? Is Barr doing a good job, Sidney? I think so. I really yeah. like him. As I told somebody the other day, the, the jury's still out. I'll know more when we actually get something done on prosecuting the most egregious offenders. Because yep. that's got to happen if we're going to have a rule of law. Right. 
Absolutely. Okay, now uh, let's let's get on with your book. Uh, what was the motivation? Obviously, you want to fix the DOJ, but what do you think is going to come out of you know the the conviction machine that that uh, Congress would actually uh, adhere to? In other words, would basically apply to the law what you're suggesting in your book? Well, I'd really like to see them fix 1001 so that somebody, and it would be a very simple fix to make it so that nobody can be prosecuted for an oral statement unless it was fully recorded and they were warned. Uh, that's that's simple enough. Uh, on the federal forms that constitute a 1001 violation, it recites that, you know, when you sign this form, it's under penalty of 18 U.S.C. Section 1001 to be truthful and complete. And you uh, think that complete... Wow, do you People think- should be told that before they make an oral statement, and that statement must be fully recorded. There should be no dispute about what was said if you're going to convict somebody of a federal felony. Yeah, really. And that person would obviously stop right there and get an attorney before they do anything oral, correct? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, people who are honest and truthful are often willing to talk, but their statement should be recorded correctly. And the only way to do that is either by audio or video which every FBI agent has two devices in their pockets at all times that would do that. So what what FBI agents actually uh, lied about this? These were... Uh, One of them, his name I can't say, uh, because it's under a protective order, and the other one was Peter Strzok. Okay, so they were sent there by Comey, and McCabe knew about this, and they were sent there, and then they came back and they distorted the evidence. No, they, they came back and reported that he was honest okay. with them in the report, in their uh, oral reports to people in DOJ. It was okay. after that, and even after Flynn left the White House, that they made significant alterations in the 302 until McCabe approved it. Actually, it was right on the eve of Flynn leaving the White House that they really started making significant changes. So, that, so that's pretty serious. You're saying these federal agents were making up evidence. Uh, yeah, well, you know, like Kevin Kleinsmith uh, changed an email to put a knot in or take a knot out. So, yeah, that's that's what they were doing. So, th- I mean, this is something that uh, uh, General Flynn has suffered from this, but other people like, say, Ted Stevens was a big victim of this. Isn't that right? Oh, completely, yes. A lot of uh, hidden exculpatory evidence and... Uh, yeah. failing to produce evidence that impeached the government's witnesses against him. I addressed all those issues in my first book, License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice. Okay. What about other people that we know? Like, so for example, Conrad Black, the Canadian media. Exa- yep. He had the same problems. Yep. He was, uh, his case was overturned by the Supreme Court in large part, but then I think he wound up having to serve an additional part of his sentence. Mm-hmm. And then what about the reversed. what about Arthur Anderson in uh, in Houston? Was that Andrew Weitzman who did that? Yep, yep, that was Andrew Weitzman. Andrew Weitzman's the lead villain of License to Lie, exposing corruption in the Department of Justice. And there, I explain in uh, the narrative form of a legal thriller exactly what happened in the Merrill Lynch and Ron related cases, and mm-hmm. Arthur Anderson and the Ted Stevens cases. And you know the uh, and uh, Arthur Weitzman, uh, I mean Andrew Weitzman, was reversed by the Supreme Court nine to nothing. Yep, it destroyed Arthur Anderson eighty five thousand jobs yep. all for nothing. The Supreme Court reversed it unanimously. Well, a, a few years ago, I was at a panel and somebody said that they would uh, believe that corporations were persons uh, when Texas executed one. And I said, well, Arthur Anderson was executed in Texas by federal authorities. So That's th- true. Close enough. Yes, they were given the death penalty because the government knew as soon as they unsealed that indictment that Anderson would be destroyed. They kept it sealed for a week working behind the scenes with 2,500 publicly traded companies that Arthur Anderson represented to yep. avoid upheaval in the markets. They yeah, knew and- exactly what they were doing, and President Bush himself authorized it. Unbelievable. He authorized it? Gee. Yep. Now, the motivation was just to put feathers in their cap, or they really had a, an axe to grind with Arthur Anderson. I don't know. Unbelievable, because it's you know, you know it's twenty five thousand. Because now we have these big four accounting firms, and Arthur Anderson would have been number five, would have made more things more competitive, 
And there was a merger between Pricewaterhouse and Coopers and Librand that if there were only if it were to have created four would not have been approved. This was around this time. And the antitrust division approved the merger of Pricewaterhouse and Coopers and Librand, thinking that Arthur Anderson would be there to compete. But then Arthur Anderson was executed, and now we have a big four, and the county has gotten very concentrated. Boy, that smells like the Bear Stearns case during the the, the 2008. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they go after Bear Stearns, and, and they disappear. And they disappear, and then Lehman thinks, oh, I'm going to get bailed out, and then they can't get bailed out, and that's the end of that. Well, Ms. Powell, uh, what, uh, what's up with uh, General Flynn now? Is he just living a private life, uh, enjoying his grandkids? Uh, does he have several grandkids? What's he, going? He does have adorable grandchildren, and he is enjoying his private life. And um, he loves to surf. He's an amazing surfer. That's <laughs> pretty cool. No, I think the audience appreciates that. <laughs> you can invite him to yeah. Key Biscayne, right? No, we don't have waves here. Oh, okay. uh, uh, you're familiar with Key Biscayne from the Nixon days, I suppose. Uh, a little bit, yes. Yeah, that's the, this. Uh, this is the home of his uh, Winter White House here, and uh, we, you know, we still rave about the helicopter pad and rave about waving flags when we're little kids. So it's uh, kind of appropriate to have the concrete conservative out of Key Biscayne, Florida, here on WSQF ninety four five. Now, uh, will you be writing another book to add to this, or are you done with the books? Uh, are you going to stay in your private practice, or would you even consider marshalling in, stomping your feet, going into the DOJ after the Congress passes all these laws you want? <laughs> I can't think of anything at all until I get General Flynn exonerated. That is my sole and only focus right now. Yeah, it, it's, he's a wonderful man. We were getting ready to fall in love with him until the, uh, until the the bottom of the hat came out. We never saw the rabbit. And it's really sad because it's all coming true now that uh, the FBI and the DOJ, uh, being a, a, from the a, from a Cuban-American descent, I was born here in the States, but my parents obviously fled communism. This really smells like communism, deep, deep state communism. And uh, we like to say it all the time, and I blog about it all the time. I actually call the Democrats the Democommies. And I, and I but really, it's not just the Democrats. I mean, it's a bipartisan problem, as she's pointed out. Yes, and the DOJ, I can't assume that everybody's a Democrat, but would you think that there are more liberals no. than conservatives no, but even, in the even, DOJ? Even a lot of the the, the rhinos. Look at uh, President Bush allowed Arthur Anderson to be uh, executed. Uh, today, Chris yeah, Ray. during the Bush administration that all the Enron task force prosecutors were handpicked for that and turned loose. Yep. And and the fact that the Enron was from Texas smells terrible. Right. Well, he should. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter where and they're the, from. The whole thing is outright. Well, you know, Bush is being from Texas. Yeah, he uh, should. He should not have allowed that. But wherever they're from. Wow. All right. Well, Miss uh, um, Powell, uh, in your closing argument, uh, what would you like to tell our audience that we haven't already discussed? Because we really appreciate you being here. And uh, if there's anything that you can say that is different than what you've already said on all these national platforms, you've talked. Lay it on us, because we, here in the Concrete Conservative, we accept all commentary. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I would encourage everybody to go to my website, sydneypowell.com. The Flynn briefs are posted there on a special page, and exhibits are attached to our filings so people can see the documents for themselves, including the altered 302, and compare them to the scant notes of the agents and just see how it all played out. Okay, could you help our audience so they understand what the, the actual 302s are so that the common layman understands? Yes, the 302 is the FBI report of the interview. Uh, Flynn's stayed in what they call deliberative stage for a prolonged period of time. I'd never even seen a 302 when I was a federal prosecutor that was in a deliberative stage. This one was edited any number of times, including by Lisa Page, special counsel to McCabe until it was finally approved by McCabe on uh, February 15th, I think. So they were altering After, evidence. Yeah. they Well, it's 302 really shouldn't be evidence, but it has the effect of that. So, yes. In, in, incredible. Now, in the, in the 500 cases that you heard as a federal prosecutor, did you slowly smell stuff like this coming, or you already saw it, you know, a blatant, blatant axe by other DOJ officials you work with? How is it you keep your distance when you see unethical stuff like that? 
anger, prosecutor. I didn't. I mean, when I saw it, I started fighting against it in the Merrill Lynch and Anderson cases. I represented Anderson on appeal as a consultant with Maureen Mahoney and then uh, represented one of the Merrill Lynch executives in the Nigerian Barge case. That's when I first saw this absolutely appalling misconduct and complete culture change from what I experienced when I was in the U.S. Attorney's offices in three different districts under nine U.S. attorneys from both political parties. And I went berserk, and that's when I wrote License to Lie, because what? I couldn't make the system work right. And I had to try to wake people up to what was going on. When do you think this shift occurred? When do I think what? The, the, cult, shift, you know, the cultural, the cultural change. Because you were there, then you left, then you saw a shift. What happened? I, I really don't know. I, I really what don't year? know what to attribute it to, other than probably the Clinton administration, for sure, and then it exploded exponentially during the Obama administration. It certainly did not get any better. It, in fact, worsened during the Bush administration, too. But then Obama completely politicized and weaponized every federal agency. Yeah, here right. here in the... Uh, Even EPA, everything, everyone. Well, we, yeah. were, we were weaponized at, when we were pursuing our 501c3 corporation. I was a tea partier, so... For WSQF, right? Yeah, for yeah. the radio station. And uh, I noticed how... Uh, tedious it was to get approved and then the, the personal phone calls by IRS agents asking me a lot of questions and I realized that they were trying to push me into a corner that I was going to operate the, the entire radio station based on politics and that's can't, I can't do that for 24 hours. It's kind of hard. So I really felt intimidated and I only had a window uh, that I had to have approval in order to complete the construction of the antenna and the communications and because they're construction mm -hmm. permits. And lo and behold, you know, I had to hire a different set of attorneys that worked just on 501c3s. I found them to be very liberal attorneys uh, out of New York City. And can you believe it? I got the bill that they that they that they spent all my money and the IRS approval on the same day in the same mailing. What a coincidence! And what a coincidence! <laughs> right. It's it, yeah. it really. I mean, you're a layman. You know, you're just a person who wants to give your community a voice. I. I lost my freedom of speech in a battle with the school board back in 2013 that prompted all this. And I wanted to buy my freedom of speech back. And lo and behold, I'm, I get bombarded by, by a weaponized uh, IRS. And then I hear about it nationally yep. when Obama gets reelected. Well, but Sydney, do you think that Bill Barr uh, sees it the same way you do? I don't know. Um, but... From the public statements he's made, it seems like he has the big picture. Okay, yep. Okay, so we're going to be hearing about him when, when all this gets done. Now, you did, if we want to go into uh, the pandemic today, you did not uh, You didn't have a tweet about the present pandemic. Do you find something nefarious about it, or do you just find it as good old-fashioned pandemic, human pandemics? What would you like to say about that? I think the virus was definitely man-made. I think China places no value whatsoever on human life and is responsible in every way for the problems that the world is experiencing with this. All right. Well, there's that's what I was hoping you would say because I'm in agreement with you. I, I had public posts that I felt it was bioterror. I don't find it to be a safeguard issue at the Wuhan lab. I mean, I find it to be... Uh, not necessarily uh, uh, malicious. I just believe that there's malicious people in communist governments. You know how I feel about communists, but they had a lot uh, that had a lot to lose in the trade in the trade deals with Trump. And if they're going to lose, they might as well go out there fighting because America is going to start manufacturing in the states. But here's something I'd like to uh, suggest to you, for and uh, that people haven't heard in a long time or haven't heard at all. Okay, we, we support American Taiwan, correct? And they have a problem with American Taiwan. But they don't, I don't think people in, around the United States understand that Cuba is the same distance from mainland United States as Taiwan is from China. If I suggest to you, and you tell me if you think I'm ludicrous, and this would be the end of our conversation, um, I believe they're going to threaten Taiwan in the coming days, perhaps in Trump's second term, in exchange for full reign over a port in Cuba for these manufacturing facilities 
to actually occur in Cuba that they've now lost in China, and it's a legitimate argument. Uh, that would certainly be an interesting move on their part. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the port is in Mariel, and you can Google. And I don't think Americans kind of understand this thing is 128 square miles, and you can Google ZEDM, and you can see how, you know, the ports have been expanded. There are facilities there, and guess what? You cut the nautical miles from 4,800 nautical miles from mainland China to the port of San Diego. That gets cut to 1,200. To, I mean, from 986 miles to 1,200 miles, depending on what port, Port of New Orleans, Galveston, or Tampa, and that changes the manufacturing logistics between China and the United States dramatically, and I don't think anybody in the United States is even considering these things, and they do exist. Uh, uh, port of Mariel and a development, it's, I call it on a website that I wrote called Canton Cuba, and I would like for you to look at it one day, and, and perhaps we can have you again as, as a, a call, and you can tell me, you know what, Manny, you are on to something, because I think I am, even though Ed is rolling back in his chair, and he was born in Cuba. All right, well, thank, <laughs> thank you very much, Sydney. We really, I think you're on to something that's very important for uh, preserving our freedom, and Manny and I are both Cuban-Americans, and we see the danger to our rule of law, and so I, I say thank you to you for all your courage and, and effort. Yes, I can't... You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, I can't thank, thank you. you enough. We we definitely smell a big, nasty fish. So, you're welcome anytime, and hopefully we'll speak in again. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. That was uh, Sydney Powell, the yep. representative for General Michael Flynn here on WSQF 94.5, and uh, I love the interview. Even though Ed, you know, try to take over like we always do. No, but no, anyway. no. I, I asked leading questions about. Yeah, uh, and then he rolls his eyes when we go back to Cuba, and he was born there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, that's why. Yeah, forget it. It's you know, not. You know, just because your beard is not as white as mine. Yep. And we're like twenty years apart. Yep. Or, well, I, this is my Wuhan beard. Your, your, your Wuhan beard. I I haven't shaved since uh, we got shut down. Wow, I haven't shaved since I uh, been in the clink. I call it the clink. In the, the, the hospital? Yeah, the hospital. I stopped shaving then. Well, because I didn't have a razor. And then I uh, didn't see myself in the mirror, so I said, what the hell? And then when I finally saw myself in the mirror, I said, damn, considering I had these strokes, I'm still damn handsome, even though I've got a sloppy face now. Yeah, oh, go for it. Well, um, tell, you tell me really. Honestly, to continue with this pandemic issue, why did Trump buy into the CDC knowing? Well, I think Trump has handled, he's a politician. He's learning to be a politician. And he's, you think he wants to set the CDC up or what? Well, I don't know about, he He was not going to take on uh, Fauci and uh, Scarface, uh, the Scarf Queen uh, directly. So if they're saying... Why do you call it a scarf queen? Scarf, you know, she's always wearing a fancy oh, scarf. Oh, that's right. Okay. okay, okay. So here's the, I mean, I think he was kind of blindsided by them. Again, and, blindsided. And he, he was blindsided, absolutely. And, uh, the, you know, these are, I'm going to write about this in my legal column in May, but these experts are Go ahead, are, are you frauds. just plug your legal column, go yeah, ahead and say you're, it. Yeah, you're, well, yeah, I, these these uh, so-called experts are total are a total failure. But Fauci and the the Scarf Queen, uh, they, first of all, they, they've been were there not forever. They've been... they, they, well, they're both, uh, Fauci is a lifetime, career-long government employee. And so is Under Burks. four presidents or Under, more. Since 1974. Oh, since, since Nixon. Oh, since Nixon. Yeah, he's, he's, he's 79 no, years that's, old. that's Carter, right? No, no Nixon. Nixon. Yeah, you're right. Ford, Carter, Reagan. Yeah. So he has been there all this time, and that's all he's done. Worked for the National Institute of Health, a government lab. So he has, he's not very good. All right, he, I'm going to go back to Cuba here for a second. No, 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 no. Don't go back to Cuba because it has go. nothing to do with the Wuhan virus. Yes, it does. What? Here's the, here's what I'm going to say. Okay, Fauci and Fauci. And Burks. And Burks. They rely on... IHME Research Lab. That's Bologna. That's in the University of Washington, and right? And guess who their president is? I don't know who. A Cuban American. In the Anna University Lottie of Washington. Kalsi. Well, I don't know that, but I can Anna tell you. Anna Marie Kalsi, check this out. She that, she was put there by Mr. Gates. Hundred Bill Gates. A hundred million dollars a year 
to fund the research lab. Right. It's got vaccine crap all over okay, it. Okay, I didn't know that it was a Gates lab. He also wrote lab. a check to John Hopkins. But the numbers and, are outrageous. Well, guess who her brother is? Cesar Calci shot dead in the famous Greensboro Massacre. What's a when Greensboro Massacre? When he was a uh, cum, uh, cum laude student at Duke University mm-hmm. who was protesting the Ku Klux Klan and the Nazi Party in Greensboro. What year was that? Ooh, good question. Uh, I used to remember that number. I think it was uh, 79. Okay. Five people died. He was one of them. So what are the chances of Ana Mari and her brother not thinking alike? And she's making 715000 today as president. Well, I don't know about uh, that, but of I can tell you that the University of Washington numbers were outrageously inflated. inaccurate, inflated. And so were before them. We had numbers from uh, Imperial College London, which is also a very distinguished institution, and they were totally inflated, too. You know this reminds us of? What? When... Microsoft, uh, Gates, mm-hmm. inflated the, the success of, of... I don't know. Education? A uh, hint, hint, hint. Oh, do you mean Newark? Uh-huh. No, well, Newark is my pet peeve because it has to do with charter. What was Bush uh, crazy about? And he was supporting Gates, the parent revolution. What was the name of his educational program? Common Core. Common oh, Core. Okay, yeah, Thank well, you very much. So, so there, so there, Fauci so the, and Birch should have go. known Two cases. that they were getting false and inflated information from the University of Washington and from Imperial College London. If they were truly experts, they would be able to discount. The other thing they did was they trusted China. You can't trust China. To this day, I'm hearing the media so often that nobody wants to say what we said here today, oh, which is, this is mild terror. And you can't trust the World Health Organization. They are incompetent, corrupt, and partisan. Guess who sits on the board of IHME, because I can't say the whole name. What, the Institute for Health Keep Measurement? I could never and do that. something, whatever. Who sits on the board? Tedros. Oh, my God. The guy from the WHO? And the he, president of UM, Frank. Uh, oh, the guy here, right? Yes. Jul- Jul- yeah, he's uh, Frank, a he's a communist. Yeah, uh, Jul- Julian Frank. Julian Frank. Yeah. He's a communist. He's a Mexican communist. In Mexican communist. Yeah. Department of Ministry Total of Health. Scam. He was direct. He was head of the Harvard School and of Public Health. And who put him there? What? At UM? Shalala. Oh, sure. Who's running for reelection? I know she's a total uh, commie. No, but to- the the public health bureaucracy experts are totally untrustworthy. They are partisan commies. They are uh, globalists with the, tied up with the UN, and they lie, and they don't know what they're doing, and they're in favor of the, this totalitarian communist government. So, so the so, so what's going to happen when China shows up in Mariel at Canton, Cuba? You're gonna, what are you going to say? Well, I don't know. I, I'm oh, not you're not going to say anything because you're going to probably you, outlive our, our experts were totally wrong in predicting it. Fauci on March 9th said, "Oh, you can go on a cruise." And then a week later, we're shutting down the country. You know, they totally failed. Now, Trump couldn't call them out because they're thought to be experts, but they're not. The second thing they did, they were on on the wrong track completely in terms of the numbers that were going to come out. Yeah, okay, I'm looking at you. Yeah, so you're in the screen. I got my beard, yes. I'm in the beard. This is Ed Vidal, and his beard is browner. Blacker than mine. Uh-oh. Well, Mine's white, I used shoe polish uh, before I came. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know, for those who wanted to uh, figure out... But let me tell voice. you, they, they, were, they, were, they were no experts because they didn't see it coming. They overestimated the numbers by a lot. And number three, they underestimated the cost, both financial livelihoods and health costs, of their shutdown. The shutdown creates costs. And okay, here's partly my theory people on the lose shutdown. their livelihoods, and they, they have health issues exacerbated by the quarantine. Starting with me, I have not been able to go to the gym. I suffer from rheumatoid arthritis. Part of my treatment is to go to the gym because I keep myself lubricated. Uh, I go for That's five, too sexy. Why'd no, you, go, no, why'd no, you no. go there? No, no. To, to sweat, it's sweat and blood. So Jeez. you work out. And you get yourself going, and could so you my gone, arthritis. Instead of doing the the lubrication thing, could you just gone the GNC version? No, 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 no. That's what the doctor said. So the so I need to go to the gym, in effect, to keep my uh, my well, arthritis. I have, to, I have to stay home simply because of I'm 55. Right. Three strokes. 
all in three weeks. Oh, you're a high high. Uh, and risk. I have diabetes. Yeah, I have a. So a cousin I really can't have South Americans. I have a cousin who's 68, and he's got diabetes and obesity. That's another issue, and heart. Uh, so yeah, I agree that there are high risk people that need to take care of themselves. But for most people, it's not a big deal. Shouldn't shouldn't we have just quarantine everybody my age and right. older Abs- and oh, allow no, kids everybody. to go to school a- and elderly who have uh, risks, who have these underlying conditions. The kids are not affected, so they should have been allowed to continue to school. Colleges should not have shut down. Right. Because the young people developing immunities to this. Well, I don't know if us. they have immunities, but it doesn't affect them. Not only does it not affect, but you got to let the body recognize right. these coronaviruses. And there are lots of people that studies are coming out. There are lots of people, especially in California, that have had this since November. And, uh, you know, they've developed uh, common immunity in California. It explains why they don't have the massive deaths, even right. though their country, they did their not, states even though are they so have huge. a lot of people from Japan and China coming into California. Apparently, there was a very bad flu season in November and December in California. Well, it wasn't flu, it was this. It was this. The Wuhan virus, so you can get over it. On the other hand, in New York, where they got it from Italy, New York suffers from a lot of things like- Well, subways, uh, well, yeah, public transportation. De- density. Everybody's living on top of each other in tiny apartments. The subways, apparently, MIT just released a study that the subways that was were a major source, especially the subways from Midtown to the outer boroughs, where a lot of the people, that, the service people that work in Manhattan live in the outer boroughs. And so they take those subways into Midtown, and that, there were three lines. That explains lines. why the minorities are being hit so hard. There were, well, that's part of it. There were three lines that were, one of them goes out to uh, uh, Shea Stadium, City Field. From I've taken it, the number seven, from uh, Grand Central out to Flushing, Queens, where Shea Stadium and now City Field are located. And that was, apparently that was one of the main uh, transmitters. And there are a couple other lines that, that did the same thing. So New York City is a, a special place. In addition, New York City has a couple of clowns uh, as mayor and state governor. They were not taking effect, you know, care of this. The, uh, for example, and they're willing to lie about our president. The governor, in, in the yeah, meantime. the governor was not prepared. He had a chance to buy a bunch of ventilators a few years ago. Instead, he used the money to invest in this solar panel factory in Buffalo, New York, which went bankrupt and he lost everything. So he could have. And then New York City, uh, New York State, has twenty thousand fewer hospital beds this year than it did twenty years ago because hospitals are closing up. And the hospitals that are closing up are the hospitals that uh, would target uh, servicing the poor. Like I can tell you, St. Vincent's Hospital in Greenwich Village had been there since the 1840s, run by nuns and priests, Catholic hospital. They went bankrupt around 2010 or 2012 because so many of their patients were Medicaid patients. They they, they, They served the poor. And Medicaid doesn't give you full reimbursement. They, I know my dad was a pharmacist. He didn't get reimbursed for uh, fully and or on time by the state of Illinois for for prescriptions. And so hospitals can't. You know, eventually they go bankrupt. And, and that's so what happened what, are you in New York. That, 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 that the governor should have uh, subsidized the, these the gov- No, but the governor's policies have driven a lot of hospitals to close or to close their, their pavilions, their closed beds. Therefore, the poor die. Well, they don't have any uh, any other alternatives. Especially they don't have Obamacare. Well, but as it turned out, there was no need for extra beds. Uh, President uh, Trump built, uh, you know, uh, like 2,900 beds in the Jacob Javits Center. Army Corps of Engineers went in there. They, he sent a, sh- a hospital, Navy hospital ship with All a thousand All on a lie. Beds. None of it was used. Uh, Franklin Graham took uh, a Samaritan Purse uh, Mobile Hospital, put it in Grand Central uh, Meaning he bought, he bought the lie, too. Well, no, he was just trying to help. I understand, but they, they, were all, all, they, they were all, all bought, trying to help. They, the Samaritan's Purse also sent the field hospital to Italy and helped them out there as well. So in Italy, it was needed. In New York City, it was not. So Well, now you got Boston all of a sudden starting to... Re- they're they're, they're fine. To re- they have plenty of beds in Boston. You know, it's actually hurt the medical uh, sector because... Elective surgery was is not permitted, so these hospitals, if they they if they weren't treating the Wuhan virus victims, they had to shut down, and so they're laying people off the hospitals. That's part of the problem. Look, can you imagine me when I was thinking of when I arrived at uh, the hospital with my case, 
and I'm I got coronavirus in my. You bed. have to say you have coronavirus to get treated, right? <laughs> no, I think thank God, or maybe I, it's kind of hard to say say thank God, but the very fact that it was a serious issue, a stroke is treated seriously. Right. Okay, I didn't have to deal with it, but just the thought of seeing masks everywhere, and nobody wanted to talk about it when I would ask, "Hey, where, where's the coronavirus patients?" Right, and they would say, "Not on this floor." That's all they would say to me. Not on this. Where, where was this? At Mercy Hospital. In Mercy and in Jackson. And both times I was uh, taken out of emergency room within a couple hours, never to uh, be down there ever again. I was. Um, well, you know, we Katrina I and I f- help with a a kitchen uh, for feeding the truly needy, and we have. So masks. Katrina made you uh, a Christmas. Uh, she used Christmas wrapping paper to make you a mask. Yes. Yeah. No, it's wine. Here, why don't you put me on? Oh, uh, yeah, look, look at him. He wants to, he wa- wait a second. Oh, no, look what happened. Somebody must have called me. Come on. Well, I'm trying to show Mr. Uh, coronavirus over here. Everything's shot now all of a sudden. Come on. Well, we're still on the radio, so we So can't... I think this is a total scam. Unfortunately, now Trump has handled it well, but when you look at it, the so-called experts did not know what they were talking about. Fauci and Burks, they so had they should not have trusted. Uh, today is the day that we've exposed the president's is uh, getting broadsided by DOJ. He FBI, gets broadsided by many people. Yes. CDC, is Ukraine, uh, you know, impeachment hoax. Unbelievable. It's one hoax after the other. So for you who support the president and I who support the president, yep. When you bring someone from that far on the outside. If you don't believe in others, you're going to get broadsided. Well, the, the 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 answer here is in all these cases, it's the administrative state, that permanent bureaucracy, that uh, has caused the problem. Dr. Uh, Fauci is the J. Edgar Hoover of the National Institute of Health, and by the way, the National Institute of Health is no great shakes. Uh, they, you know, they're funding. They funded the Wuhan Institute of, of Virology. Oh, uh, yeah. With I, our money. Yes. There and I know that the woman. Three and a half million there's a year, a, I there, there's a P, biology PhD who's leading the effort, and she is a total uh, uh, African grievance monger. Uh, her name is Kazi something Corbett, and she is a PhD from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Affirmative action, of course. Uh, uh, and, miss, sorry, yes, but yes. Miss, miss Powell's from the University from Chapel. No, there's nothing wrong, but uh, she's she from has, Chapel Hill too. Yeah, that's fine. There's nothing wrong, but she probably uh, and earned law it. school, by the way. She, yeah, she earned it. Whereas this, uh, the director of research into infectious diseases at the National Institute of Health, is not a very is an African grievance monger, and you can look her up on uh, on Twitter, Kazi. Well, so at the end Corbett. of the day, so, what, no, what the we, NIH has been going after diversity and inclusion instead of looking after the their mission which is has to do with biology and scientific research not diversity and inclusion which as we know is a formula for professional mediocrity okay so as we end this show this segment in five minutes we're, we become the statues and story show with Adam Levinson but yep. in the last minute does Michael Flynn get pardoned or do they throw out his conviction I think the judge the the district judge a trial judge is a partisan and i think it's uh, i think it's a she and she has not been ruling uh, in a very fair and uh, way so she, I, is she gonna pull a, a i roger think stone? she will yeah she will do a roger stone most she, likely she or he him. i think it's a he uh but so i don't think he's gonna get now they can appeal to the uh dc circuit which i think she has a good grounds for appeal but i think uh Trump's going to have to pardon all these people. He's going to have to pardon Flynn. He's going to have to pardon uh, Roger Stone. He's going to have to pardon Manafort. Manafort has been totally, he's been tortured. He's been put in solitary confinement. Uh, he's going to have to pardon okay, all these people. Okay, here's another one for you. What is Michael Cohen going to do now that he's out? Will he, will, is he allowed to use his landline phone? I don't know, Michael. Michael Cohen is just irrelevant. You know. He, yeah, but he can, he can rat Trump out on a bunch of what? stuff. Just dirty laundry kind of stuff. Hey, that's fine. We know we we didn't elect a saint. This, this is true. We we did not elect a successor to Jesus of Nazareth. We elected a successor to Pontius Pilate. <laughs> that's a good a good way to end it. So you listen to the Concrete Conservative for 
the whole hour, we had uh, Ms. Sidney Powell, ex-DOJ uh, prosecutor, who eventually in private practice uh, defended General Michael Flynn, National Security Advisor, for a short moment, moment for President Trump. You heard uh, about uh, how nefarious and how disgusting the DOJ and FBI has gotten, yep. a la Herbert Hoover. Right. And, uh, and then we just finished it with COVID-19. Uh, no, it's not COVID-19. That's it's a, the Wuhan that's virus. A, it's a Wuhan virus. So That's COVID-19 was the cover name that the World Health Organization gave it to deflect blame for where it belongs, which is the totalitarian communist government of China. I couldn't have said it better myself. See you later, folks. This is the Concrete Conservative. This is your Australian Mac on the Rock with Victorious Ed Vidal. And we'll be back with Statues and Stories with Adam Levinson at 7. Stay free, my friends. And remember, Ed Vidal is still the greatest, even though he hasn't been around. Set on you. I got my mind set on you.